0: Welcome to seeking wellness podcast, a platform for illuminating the diverse ways people are thriving by sharing the stories of the practitioners who bring health and connection to thousands around the world. All right. Today, we have Dylan Benjamin of body by DB. I'm assuming that's for Dylan Benjamin. Is that right? You assume so well, my friend. <laughs> well, welcome, brother. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your time. And uh, tell us like, a little bit, just a short overview of who you are and the language you use to talk about the work that you do.
1: Yeah, beautiful. Thank you so much for having me. It's beautiful to be here, and I appreciate coming on board. Um, yeah, so Dylan Benjamin, that's me. Body by DB is one of my, well, is my main business. Um, and I guess in a word, to simplify what I do to its essence, I'm a personal trainer. Um, I work with individuals in the pursuit of physical and emotional freedom, um, removing limitations, whether they be injuries or um, you know health-related issues or lifestyle-related issues, um, interspersed with you know, I guess uh, interspersed with emotional well-being because you know we're we're a cybernetic system, which is a system of systems, and you can't really you can't really modify or change one without changing the whole thing. Um, so it's very much a holistic approach, um, which you know is kind of a buzzword at the moment in the whole wellness space. Um, but yeah, these days, what it mainly looks like is working online and virtually with people um, to make sure that they stay fit, they stay healthy. They feel sexy, they look good naked, all the things that people want, um, but also they do it in a way that promotes longevity and is something that they can do for the rest of their lives. No quick fixes.
0: Groovy, cool, thank you. Thank you for that overview. Um, Yeah, I I definitely relate to the concept of, um, you know, a holistic approach to, to wellness and also that, you know, We shift one part of the of our body or of our psyche and and it it kind of unlocks another part. It's all connected. Um, And uh, I find that for sure in the work that I do with singing groups that um, it can sometimes when you open up, you're um, a little bit like raw. Uh, it can be like revealing you're like oh it's weird i'm I'm more sensitive to this area now or i'm or I'm noticing this about how i'm acting or how i'm feeling so uh, it's really important to be aware of um all the different things that combine to to make up a well life or have a sense of wellness. Um, mm-hmm. so this is amazing. Thank you for that overview. Tell me more about how you got into it. Like what's your journey into becoming a personal trainer? How long have you been doing it and, and what happened before to get you into it? What was the spark? Yeah, I guess, you know, like like everyone
1: I'm sure you speak to or like everyone on the planet, it's like a, it's like a funny and long and interesting story. But I guess the overview is um, as a kid growing up, I was a bit overweight, um, didn't really wasn't so into sport, wasn't super competitive in that realm. Um, I think it was about the time I became a teenager, you know, 13, 14, started noticing girls, started noticing that like, you know, looking a certain way kind of meant something to people. Um, So really started to get into gym. And I had a couple of different trainers and mentors as a teenager who, I guess, taught me some things. But the catalyst for me was when I was about 19, I joined a CrossFit gym and a friend of mine ran it. And I got really into it. And then I went away for a year. And while I was on that trip, I got really into running. And I came home like, I mean, I weigh about 90 kilos now. I weighed about 65 kilos. I was like very, very lean. I was doing like 15, 20Ks almost every day. Um, But then got really, really severely injured. Pulled both my groins during a um, just some like very innocuous movement at the gym. You
0: have two groins, like a left and a right both of them okay. at the same time oh yeah it was, it was
1: wild and then the physio decided to do dry needling which at the time i didn't realize was the wrong call but looking back now i know why it hurt so much for so long um and then from there that sort of lit a spark to want to go down the the rehab and the exercise prescription part at the time i was studying a law degree as well um so the, to me the two kind of went hand in hand that ability to research and synthesize and Deep dive into problems and come up with creative solutions actually enabled that more um, in that world. And then, as I got kind of closer to the end of my law degree, and you know, the idea of becoming a barrister or a solicitor wasn't as sexy as I thought it was going to be. It was a looking back, it was an easy shift at the time. It took a long time to come to the realization that actually I wanted to be in the health and well being world, and you know, it brought me so much. And it it had, I guess, in some ways saved me from going down a different path or not not being a particularly healthy person or not a particularly happy person. Um, so I, I owed a lot to the people who'd given to me and I wanted to pay that forward and, and start my own business and kind of push in a new direction and, and yeah, create something and help people in a way that I didn't feel like was necessarily mainstream at the time. But I definitely think it's becoming more mainstream now. Um, and that's been me full time for kind of the last five, six years.
0: Incredible. Nice. Yeah, it's amazing Um, the the gifts of learning what we don't want to do (laughs) and how they inform and kind of take us along our journey to what we do now and what we're continuing to try and cultivate in our lives as well as in the lives of others.
1: Yeah, it's so interesting because when you look
0: back, everything that happened in your life
1: taught you something and, you know, the further through you go, the more you have to look back on and go, well, actually, yeah, I can see that that happened so that that would happen. And then if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't be doing this now. And if I like what I'm doing, then I have to respect and appreciate what happened in my past as
0: well. Yeah, there's no question that if I hadn't moved to Australia, I would not be doing what I'm doing now. And so, hmm. uh, yeah, it's amazing. it's amazing. Absolutely. Well, thanks for sharing your journey with us, brother. Ah, thanks, brother. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm interested in understanding a more, a little bit more about, um, about, about what you, like, how do you see yourself? Like, what is your role in relationship to a client? You know, like, is it accountability partner? Is it educator? Is it a combination of everything? Are you showing people, are you modeling for people what to do? Is it, um, you know, support? Is it all of the above or what, you know? Tell me about the different aspects of your role that you, in terms of what you're, what you view, how you view yourself. Mm.
1: Yeah, it's, it's such a a layered and brilliant question to start off with. I'm going to give you the really annoying answer first, and then I'll, and then I'll explain more. The annoying answer is, it really depends. Yeah, exactly. You know, it really depends. Like when you want You know, if you want to have a house built, then you have to figure out what kind of a house do you want built? Where are you at? Do you have a pre-existing structure? What's your budget? What's your time frame? So again, it really depends. Um, But I think what it looks like these days is it's very much about, for me anyway, it's very much about showing someone the path that they need at the time that they need it. So there are some clients that I work with and it is purely on a lifestyle management strategy level. It's got nothing to do with the exercise. They take care of that on their own. I might oversee it. Another trainer might be working with them on that. And my role is purely around habit formation and mindset shift. Um, There are other clients who it's, it's a more technical relationship. They just, when I say technical, I mean, you know, there's obviously emotion and connection, but the technical side of the training, they might have a specific goal. They might have a particular injury that they're trying to overcome. Um, this is, this is something that I work a lot with, you know, athletes, amateur or professional, if they have a sport specific skill, they want to improve, how can we improve that? Um, and for general population, it's, it's usually one of the, it's, it's usually a formation of the same thing that I spoke about at the start. They just want to feel better, look good naked. They want to know that they can do almost anything without being limited. Um, and so that means physical freedom. And that really just looks like, I guess, guiding them through a journey of understanding their body and how to use it in a way that is congruent with their goals. So in a practical sense, if you want to hike up a mountain, you've got to make sure that your body can withstand the rigors of hiking up a mountain. Um, if you want to run a marathon, we have got, got to train for that. So it just comes down to the person. And it's I would say it's mainly, the main thing I do is I troubleshoot. troubleshoot weaknesses because weaknesses are the first thing that will break and when someone tries to do anything change requires a lot of there's a lot of bending happening there's a lot of stress there's a lot of difficulty to truly create change and the the main thing that stops people from changing is the resistance that they meet. and the resistance will always expose the weaknesses and if we don't strengthen the weaknesses immediately which I would call prehab as well whether it's physical or emotional or habitual, if we don't do that immediately, that's what's going to get in the way and stop anyone progressing from any goal. So for me, it's, it's basically spotlighting the weakness or shining a light on the area that people don't really want to deal with because it's hard. Um, but that's where the growth happens. And so I would say overall, that in a nutshell is what
0: I do. Wow, that's amazing. That's incredible. And um, what's coming up for me is a deep sense of vulnerability that actually that your clients um have to offer and to share um and so i'm wondering how do you like cultivate a connection and comfort and and that type of relaxed um relationship with a client to be able for them to say you know you know what i actually you know this is my weakness or 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 are you just kind of like a hard ass like yeah you should be able to lift this or stretch that far or whatever like I mean, maybe it's client specific, but, uh, you know, when you're being vulnerable and holding someone and their emotions and their physical uh, wellness um, uh, and their, their physical health, their mental health, there's a lot that you're holding. So I'm wondering how you, you know, cultivate that relationship with, with people so that there can be a space for vulnerability and, and just trust. Hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And, you
1: know, it's like, this, what, what I do isn't necessarily the same as, I mean, what any trainer does, what any coach, what any, anyone who has a, an ongoing relationship with someone that they're working with. Um, sorry, I just got a message on my phone. Sorry. So whenever you're doing that, it's always important first and foremost to know if you're a compatible fit and you can actually work together. So, you know, unless if someone knows who I am, or we've known each other in a past life, it usually makes the process a lot easier at the beginning. We'll have a, a cup of coffee, go for a walk. I want to interview them as much as they want to interview me because I need to see, first and foremost, can I actually help them? And if I can, is it a compatible fit, as I said? So in order to build that, I mean, in, in, in the old world, pre-COVID-19, it was a simple matter of hang, you know, hanging out, having a cup of coffee, bringing them in for a consult for an hour and, and running through some movement screens and some conversations and just connecting. Now it's more over the phone or in this kind of format. Um, and really, I think the, the main thing that I do, which is going to frustrate some people listening to this who are trying to learn, is it's just that. It's just holding space and hearing what someone wants and needs and hearing how they speak to you about themselves. So language says a lot. Um, simply being silent and letting someone else figure things out without interrupting them is is huge. Um, And yeah, I typically will, I mean, I just, I, I brought a couple of new people on earlier this week or sorry, late last week. And for both of them, we had maybe three conversations before I actually put the offer down and said, well, this is the, this is the program. This is how we do it. Because for me, it's like, we need to have those conversations and connect first. We need to know, does it feel right for both of us? Are they bought in? Um, do they have the time? Do they actually want the thing that they say they want? Um, and, you know, for, as I said, it's like I'm just there shining the spotlight. So I don't really have a problem with saying to someone, I'm not the best fit for you because they might say they want it, but it can become really apparent in the first few conversations that it's, it's one of those things that they're just saying because they're, they're told by someone else. It's like the smoker who's trying to quit smoking, not because they want to, but because their partner or their parents or their family are pressuring them. And they never quit because they're not doing it for themselves. It's like the person who wants to go after the goal really has to want it. And it's my it's my role, it's my job to figure out whether or not that's the case. And a lot of people are somewhere in the middle. And so it just requires a bit of coaching and a bit of space holding and maybe helping someone have a breakthrough. Um, but for me, you know, circling back to, to the first part of the question, the priority is the connection. And I'll never yell at a client. I'll never you know, tell them off like, it's not my journey. I'm just the Sherpa guiding their journey. Um, but the way I see it is it's, it's, like, it's like being a parent, but not the parent in a traditional sense where it's not the disciplinarian and being strict and yelling. It's like the parent we all wish we, we had, that ideal parent who just says, look, I'm not, I'm not angry. I just, you know, that behavior is, is not acceptable if this is what you want. And now we're gonna have a conversation about the behavior it's not you you haven't done anything wrong it's, it's the behavior that's wrong and we're adults and we need to talk about it we don't shy away from the uncomfortable work and so i i preface it with every client in the first almost the first minute that we chat i say like i'm not here to tell you if you're right or wrong but i am here to hold you to a level of accountability that's higher than you currently hold yourself to and often people are a bit taken aback by that and will say things like yeah but i just I don't know if I need that, like maybe it's just this, this, and this. And usually it comes back to, well, if, if you don't need a high level of accountability, there must be a reason. It doesn't make sense that you're not already where you want to be. Right? So there's something missing and we're trying to figure out what that missing thing is and how best can we bring it into your life and your world.
0: Wow. I'm, I'm really in awe of, at the level of emotional intelligence and the role of emotion in the work that you do, because from an outsider's perspective, not not um, we haven't worked together um, yet, or, or, you know, uh, I'm not a personal trainer, right? So I don't really know all the things that that go into developing a, a, a safe and trusting relationship with a client um, mm. in that way, in, in the work that you do in terms, you know, I think the perception for so many can be like, your personal trainer. Okay, so I meet you at a per, at, at a at a time, and you tell me what to do, and I am in the gym, and I smash out whatever reps, and then I'm like, "Cool, see you next week." And you tell me what not to eat, right? Like that's what I think a more traditional perspective of this is. But um, there's a deep, deep emotional connection and uh, and relationship that's present there um, in the work mm-hmm. that you that you that you do, which is incredible and and important, and I think. Um, reflects uh, what you talked about before about the kind of a holistic approach to any type Mm. of wellness practice so that's awesome is there a um, standout you know moment or memory from your years of doing this work that you would like to share Um, that's challenging
1: Um, yeah look there's there's probably a couple I did have I have had a client who's now a close friend of mine years ago and, you know, he was in, I guess, a challenging spot when we started working together, um, probably 50 kilos overweight. Um, exercise was not a word that existed in in his world. Um, and I would say, you know, it was like, it was a really, um, it was a beautiful journey because it was someone that I knew in a past life. And when we started working together, the premium really was, was hardly on the exercise. It was about the connection and it was about rebuilding someone's confidence and rebuilding someone's ability to believe in themselves. Um, you know, the exercise was just the kind of the icing on the cake at the end of it all. It was just, it was the fun part. It was enjoyable. It was an easier way to create deeper connection. And, you know, it eventually got to a point where this guy was getting as strong as I was. And he was, you know, decided that maybe, maybe becoming a trainer was something he wanted to do. And to see someone go through a journey where, you know, I didn't do the work for him. He did it himself. I just gave him the tools he needed to get there. But seeing someone lose, you know, 50 kilos, be running and doing CrossFit and F45 and all these different, like, awesome classes and feeling like going for a run around the tan is an achievable thing to do on a Saturday is, like, amazing from someone who was, you know, relatively recluse and not doing a lot for many, many years before we started working together. Um, you know, that's been... That's probably one of the best, if not the best experiences I've had in doing what I do. Um, but, you know, I guess, you know, in, in, a, in another sense, it's been with what I do, the the whole role is built around connecting with different people. And I would say that for my own personal growth and learning, being able to work with people like that and lots of different people, you know, the oldest client I've ever had was, you know, in a late eighties and the youngest one was, Seven, and I still work with him, and he's 17 now. So that's pretty unbelievable. Um, just working with different people, I learn from them as much, if not more, than they learn from me. Having these relationships with people is huge. Like it's such a, I'm in such a privileged position to be able to do what I do and have these relationships. And you know, I I'm, I'm like a fly on the wall in a lot of people's lives, which is a really beautiful person to be in their world. Um, you know the consigliere the person that they come to and they can talk things out and you know there's no there's no like preconceived notion of right or wrong there's no judgment it's just like you're a person I trust you're not inside my my circle of people I know and I need to talk to you and I need to just I need to get things out I'd say like every now and then a, a session in person ends up just being a walk and a chat because you know in terms of someone's health and well-being oftentimes that's what they need and I think yeah. with with the traditional personal training realm the premium was placed on and maybe still is placed on the the physical activity the exercise the movement but what we now know is that's not necessarily the healthiest or safest way to only focus on that if your objective is to feel better to feel mentally well to feel resilient to feel adaptable to situations there's a lot there's a lot of other things you know the gym might be 3 to 4 hours of your 168 hour week so we've got to look at what else is going on so that's also been a, been a highlight for me
0: nice thank you thank you that's amazing um, yeah I don't think I am privy enough to that kind of longitudinal growth um, in the work that I do it's often momentary where we can experience a shift or transformation in the session that we're having and I know that for myself um, and from testimonials from people that I've been working with um, in different events uh, that I've hosted, that the impact does last, but I haven't necessarily uh, been lucky enough to be able to see over an, a really long period of time, um, mm-hmm. the, the the deep impact of the work that I do. And and that's pretty special that, that you have that uh, um, ability. It's not only just a Knowing, but you're also literally physically seeing someone physically change. You know, mm. um, so that's really, really special and very cool. And um, and congratulations for, you know, having those wins. That's that's great. Um, yeah, thank you for sharing that. You know, it's not without its drawbacks. It's like a learning process, like everyone. You know, I didn't- so- so yeah. That's so tell me, t- tell me, tell me about what you're struggling with. I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I think it's real. I think it's super real. Like each of us, whether you know we're at the top of our game or just starting out, we're all kind of struggling with something. And what what's present for you these days in terms of things that you're working on or things that are you know you're you're thinking more about?
1: Yeah. I mean, look. I think I'm in a really um, like I'm in a very fortunate position by design, but also, you know, like fate has dealt me a good hand, I suppose. But, you know I, know, I know what it is to feel healthy. I know what it is to feel strong and resilient. I also know what it is to feel the opposite. But I have these tools that I've built over a lifetime of research and experience and, you know, testing and retesting, mainly on myself, um, that, you know, the biggest struggle was when the gyms closed about a month ago um, I did have like a sort of three-day period where I was like treading water and I was sort of, this could be, you know, do I need to pivot? Do I need to go into a new career? What am I going to do? This is like, it's kind of like six hours every morning in this space where I'm drip fed, you know, there's, there's people everywhere. I just have to talk to them and there's potential um, clients to work with. Going away from that and going purely online Um, has been has been like a real learning curve like a very very steep one and it's been really fun but the challenges have been you know exposure as a sole trader online there are so many people doing what i do there are so many brilliant people doing what i do who i believe know you know eons worth of information and, and experience and wisdom more than i have there's also just a lot of people starting out and just just putting things out there so it's a very, very um, populated space. And so the challenge has been, is, is it, even though it's as populated as it, as it is, is it a space where I can still make a living, where I can still have impact, where I can still enjoy doing what I'm doing? Um, and like, thankfully, even though I spend a lot more time on a computer now than I used to, um, I can still be outside. I've got a beautiful space where I park my car. It's this huge Concrete block where I can train, and the weather's been great. And there's, I live next to the Yarra, and there's a massive park behind me that goes on forever. So, being able to balance this shift of going, wow, I actually I I got my law degree, and then I went away from that because I didn't want to be that kind of. I didn't want to live in that intellectual and academic world too much. Now I'm sort of going back there with content creation and video creation and blogs and email listings and all of these extra things that are to me, they feel very intellectual and academic brain, but I can break that up by still using the skills that I've learned in terms of the physical wellness space and the meditating and all these other things. So that's, that's been hugely helpful. Um, Yeah. The other big, the other big challenge is like going from in-person to online. I was making that transition gradually. I wanted to give myself a year to do it. Um, And it went from a year to Cool, I'm three months in and now I'm now I'm full time online. In your so face, do super it. Super interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, you know, I'm quite lucky that a friend of mine's also my business partner, and he's helped me massively in, in staying on track with this transition. But I think the biggest challenge has been physically sitting still in a desk at a desk for hours at a time. And because it's a passion, it's such a passion um, driven project for both of us to make an impact and help people in an effective way in the online space, um, we can work for 10 or 12 hours a day. And the challenge is like, I'm not used to sitting down for that long. My body doesn't love being still. My, my, my mind starts to play tricks on me if I'm in one room for too long. Um, and so that has actually been quite a challenge um, to ensure that, you know, I've got to use these tools that I give other people now on myself. I've got to take energy breaks every hour and go for a walk for five or 10 minutes. I've got to do some mobility work. I've got to have a cold shower. I've got to do all these different things and intersperse them through my day to make sure that I'm always feeling adapted and resilient to whatever's going on. And also knowing when to just hit the off switch. Um, I have probably worked for two or three weeks straight, including on the weekends, just building, building and content and creating. And then on the weekend, just gone by, I was like, all right, it's time to just veg out, relax, lots of walking, maybe a jog, watch some new TV show. I just discovered Arrested development. I think it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. So, you know, it's just also knowing when to like, to actually stop myself because I'm, I'm driven and I want to do things and like, you know, there's a whole world of opportunity online, but knowing when to just take, i going to take the foot off the accelerator and sit still for a few days as well, has been a challenge, but one that I'm happy to, I'm happy to take on if that's my biggest challenge think I'm doing okay.
0: Well, good luck in that. I uh, I definitely empathize with what you are experiencing in terms of the challenge of taking the very in-person work that we do um, and being and trying to, you know, um, do the best that we can in an online more distance way and, and being on the computer all day is really challenging. Um, usually I have a morning practice of like, you know, a few different meditation and, and Wim Hof breathing and cold shower and workout, coffee, morning pages, whatever. And now I just like split it throughout the throughout the day, you know, like just take it and, and put it in different parts because, I you know, I got to move my body as well. I like, got a lot of physical energy. So before we get into, uh, like thinking about someone who may want to be a personal trainer or do the work that you want to do, still mm. thinking about the client for a second. What are some misconceptions about the work that you have that maybe you want to kind of talk through and just share with people? You know, if I'm a cli- if I'm a potential client, you know, what are some things that 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 people expect um, or anticipate about the work that you do that maybe is different? Or maybe, you know, you want to kind of break that misconception?
1: Yeah, I guess. um I guess in a general sense, um, you know, I think first and foremost, the, the the industry of health and well-being, of personal training, um, I think there's a, there's a huge misconception around what it is that trainers actually do. I think most people have this idea that a trainer is generally someone fresh out of school and they didn't really know what they wanted to do and they kind of fell into it and they just kind of count reps and sets, and, and that's sort of their job. Um, like in any industry though, there's always gonna be people who aren't necessarily super driven and, and are at the beginning of what they do. And there are people who are extraordinarily driven and push hard to be better and learn and all of those things. Like for me, it's the, the easiest comparison is always to the law because that's what I know really well and that's what I studied for eight years. Um, I know lawyers who've been in the law for many, many years. They don't really earn that much money. They don't enjoy what they do. They're kind of like, if you went to them for legal advice, I think they'd probably give you really average advice at best. And then I know people who are, you know, my age, even younger, on track to becoming QCs. They're amazing. They're driven. They work so hard. They love what they do. Same as any industry, you know, whether it be an actor or an artist or an accountant or a doctor, there's always different you know there's different levels Um, and so I think in in this industry and what I do um, it seems to be that unless you've had a really good trainer or a really good coach people don't really understand what it is that we we might do and how it all works Um, so that's a big misconception and the way that I typically break that down is I don't need to sell someone on the idea of working with me I just need to know what it is that they need and put together a solution built around that problem um, and if I can work with them, it becomes immediately apparent when we start talking because I understand their pain point and I know how to deal with it. Or if, you know, if it's, if it's not actually at all what they need or what they're interested in, having the, um, like, having the wherewithal and just knowing, like, it's, it's sometimes an ego thing where people want to work with everyone and prove that they're the best. Like, there should be no issue with if, if you really want to help someone and know that there's someone better then you're best served by moving them in that direction and helping them in that way. Um, so I'd say, yeah, that, that's probably one. The other main misconception I think around what I do is like, what, what is the role of a trainer? Um, and I think most people still have this idea that the trainer just takes you through the workout and that in some sense is true. But for me, and for the, the circles that I run in, and the coaches that I work with, or are mentored by, or work alongside, um, the philosophy is always the same. If if I, if one day I'm not around to take to like show you what to do anymore, do you know how to do it without me? Are you capable and competent and confident to do this when I'm not around? And if you're not, then have I really done you justice? Even if we've worked together for two, three, four, five, eight, 10, 12 years. If I'm gone and you all of a sudden gain a lot of weight, become really unhealthy, lose all of the progress you've created for yourself, what have I really done? It's like, I've just sort of, it's sort of like a charlatan. I've just done it for you, um, but I've never really shown you what to do yourself. So for me, I will never guarantee to someone the results because I can't do it for them. What I can do is meet them at the gate and show them the way up the mountain. But it's really like, it's, I believe, always incumbent upon, particularly people like me who are privileged to work with people two or three times a week, if they're not learning and growing and improving and taking it on for themselves, then we're not really giving them anything except a Band-Aid solution temporarily. Sort of like the Panadol for the headache rather than dealing with why they keep getting the headache. Um, So I'd say, yeah, that's a misconception, but I think that's course correcting a lot at the moment. And what I see from a lot of really skilled coaches online is that that's exactly what they're preaching now, which is really pleasing for someone in this industry to see that as well.
0: Yeah. I'm, it's, I'm really, I'm really in awe of the ways that this conversation have helped me think about physical, um, the physical wellness world, um, as being not at all just physical wellness at all. Like, the the trust and the relationship of having someone who is dedicated to thinking through your wellness and building a plan and designing that for you is so huge. And it is not just, you know, okay, cool. You wanna, you know, do bicep curls. Like it's, that's like such a, it's, it's like such a small part of the work that you do. And um, this conversation has really kind of illuminated that for me. And it's really, really awesome. Um, cool. Awesome. Now, just shifting really quickly to, um, to people who may want to be in the work that you do or thinking about people who are personal trainers or um, holding space like you do, what is, inf- what is some information that, um, you know, someone who wants to be a practitioner like you or, or a trainer, what should they know? And, and then that, you can answer that question. But the real question I really want to ask is, what are you doing in, the wor- uh, in this work? That the world doesn't realize is a big fucking deal, like you know what I mean. Like what what is the Dylan Benjamin like little sprinkles of glitter where that not and that other people don't really see that like your your contribution to this aspect? Yeah, um, wow, it's it's
1: such a layered couple of questions. <laughs> yes, I sorry. guess you know to um, <clears throat> to an aspiring trainer or coach or. I would just, you know, the the term personal trainer is bastardized quite a lot. But if we're calling a spade a spade, that's what I do is I work with individuals and I help them through whatever the problem is, whether it's physical or whatever, you know. I mean, I'm not a psychologist, but sometimes there's, you know, mental aspects as well. But I guess to that end, the, the best piece of advice I ever got from a guy named Mark Buckley, who was a mentor of mine for a long time, was people don't, no one cares, no one gives a shit how much you know until they know that you care. So you can have all the answers, all the right, all the best intentions. But if someone doesn't trust you, if they don't know you, if they don't like you, if they don't feel comfortable around you, they're not going to feel comfortable airing their shit. And they're not going to feel comfortable being vulnerable because there's no safe space. It's not clear if it's a space of non-judgment. You know, this is a facilitation language, but if, if it's not a safe space and a space of non-judgment, people don't want to work with you. It doesn't matter if you have an amazing physique, you have all the technical knowledge, you'll, you'll attract some people who want that, but you won't have the deep connection that people want to have with someone who's taking them on a journey. Um, so the skill set comes with practice and time. And, you know, you've got to hone your craft. And I spend hours every week. You know, there was a time where I was like every day studying for, three or four hours. And this was while doing a law degree and then afterwards. Um, But for me, it's a passion. It never feels like work. I want to get better. I want to practice. I've got friends. I've got family who always allow me to utilize the skills and write them programs and practice. This is what I did for many years. And now I've got clients and I I can use those skills, but I still always go back to getting the basics right and practicing. But again, the technical know-how will always get better in any job, in any career, the longer you're there. What won't is your ability to build strong relationships and show people you care. So I think a lot of people when they onboard someone have a script and have a sort of, it's sort of predetermined. i I'd never have a script. It's like, it's got to be intuitive. It's got to be connection driven. I'm fortunate that I'm an intuitive person, which helps. Um, it's, it's always good to have a guide, but just connect with the person, understand what it is they want and show them that you, you give a fuck really and you want to help. Um, and then it becomes a much more fun and enjoyable process. I think the second part of your question, uh, just, can you remind me what it was? I've forgotten. What,
0: what, what are you doing that the world doesn't realize is a big fucking deal?
1: Yeah. Oh, that's that's such a great question. I guess I have to toot my own horn a little bit, don't I? Yeah, that's, Um, that's okay. That's all right. Cause you know, the next,
0: the next thing I want to talk about is, uh, the virtual Oxytocin online wellness festival and oh, what you would, what you would, you know, imagine um, like a session you would want to hold. So mm. you know, it's okay, it's okay to two year old. That's why you're on the podcast. podcast. Oh, I love
1: it. It's such a flirt. I love it. Um, yeah, I guess there's two things. One is, you know, if I was to boil it down to a single sentence, people want to feel lighter. That's it. Everybody wants to feel good. If ever they have a goal or an objective. Particularly in the gym, usually when you peel back the layers, they want to feel lighter. They want to feel better and more comfortable, more free in their body and in their mind. And two of the main things that I do that I think don't, aren't necessarily well noticed because it's not something that I can really show someone until I'm working with them is first and foremost, how to get someone, how to teach someone to get themselves out of physical pain, like physical discomfort, sore back, sore hips, sore groin, sore knees. So many people sit at a desk all day. They have an L4, L5 compression issue in the base of their spine. There's a disc issue. There's a neck issue. There's headaches. Yeah, and it's super common. And to me, it's amazing that this isn't common knowledge. I try and put as much of it out there as I can on my social media and on my Instagram. But even in saying that, I don't have every person in the world watching what I do. And even if they were, they're not necessarily going to do it. So one thing that's a big fucking deal is getting people out of pain. Um, Another way I'd frame it is getting them out of their own way. Like learn to get out of your own way. And often people use pain as a story to limit themselves and keep themselves stuck in a particular frame of mind. You know, I'm John whoever and I have a bad back. And then John becomes his bad back and he never improves it because he becomes attached to the idea that his bad back is always going to be there along comes Dylan and gets his bad back out of pain and all of a sudden John's identity shifts seasons like in a massive way but also he needs a bit of coaching and a bit of support in coming to a new identity so he doesn't just snap back to having a bad back again so to speak Um, and yeah I guess the other thing is like what I what I think I spoke to a bit earlier was for me it's connection first and foremost is my main priority every client I have Will tell you that i text them pretty much every other day we have a FaceTime every week um there's always time for a call or a chat and i say to all of them you know i'm only ever a text message away and when we've both got time we'll jump on a phone call if we need to that's that's the level of support that most people need when it comes to creating change and it's something that you can't get in an ebook you can't get in a follow-along group fitness workout it's something you can't necessarily get even in classes at gyms like the level of support while you're training is there, but where's where's the level of support when no one else is around? Because it always comes to that point where you're standing at the fridge, you're looking at the thing that you know you shouldn't be eating at at midnight and you look around and no one's watching you, right? But you're watching you. So how can we help people build that inner resilience and that inner drive to be self-accountable, to self-parent, to love themselves more than they did previously so that they will make better decisions for themselves. That's a huge thing that a lot of people don't see and don't um, intellectually is lost. They see people at the gym who have a great body and look really healthy and happy and assume if I have that body, I'll be really healthy and happy. But what we know is most people rebound, they lose the weight, they go back because when they get to the point, they realize having this hasn't changed what's going on in here. Um, And that requires a bit more of a measured and and bespoke approach. So to me, that's a big fucking deal that most people don't really see.
0: Hell yeah, man, that's awesome, wow. Um, I uh, was having a chat with um, someone in preparation for the festival, for the online festival, and we were talking about the importance of follow-up and how when you do any type of inner work, and maybe that's mm-hmm. mentally emotionally um spiritually um but what we are talking about is that sometimes you know the physical work is related to the inner work and unlocks you know different ideas or memories even you know like muscle memory and 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 intergenerational trauma that's stored in the body all that stuff is is there and, and she was saying you know how can we create this opportunity for people to engage in different practices, but also hold them and follow up with them. So um, she reminded me that there are all these like um, grief hotlines and, you know, anxiety, you know, suicide hotline or, um, you know, stress hotlines, whatever it is, to be able to um make sure that if people are experiencing something um after this 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 festival that they know that they have support so we've been i've been kind of uh creating a bit of a follow-up email to send to people and also have at the at this on the on the bottom of the of the screen you know if you are feeling anxious you know there's someone you can talk to go here kind of thing so that kind of accountability and um and uh and and resource that you're offering is incredible And it's super important Mm. that follow up, that, that like, not just the the moment itself, but what happens um, between to the next moment. Um, Mm. So that's amazing. Yeah.
1: I just want to say on that as well, it's it's like knowing your scope of practice to me as this, this sort of comes from my law days as well, but understanding what I can and can't do and what I'm trained to do and where my domain lies. But you know, it's interesting because I did I did work with the Man Cave. In fact, I still work with them. It's been a year and a half, I think. Um, and one of the amazing things that they gave us or they still give us as facilitators in that role is, first of all, understand your scope, but also know you need to know when you should refer out. And I have no problem with referring clients when there's a need. Um, I myself have like, you know, I think Beyond Blue and Headspace and all of these places like... I would make no secret of the fact that I've called them in the past when I felt down or haven't felt like I could trust anyone to say things, you know, intellectually or rationally, it doesn't make sense, but emotionally, you don't feel like you can trust people or you have this liminal experience, which typically happens on a retreat or when you have a near death experience or something like that. But people need that space to be held. And I think it's so, yeah, it's such a beautiful thing to say, hey, I know that I can can get you this far. I need you to go and talk to this person, though, because this is what's missing in your program and in your, your wellness system, your wellness approach. It's got to be multifaceted. We're all such complex, you know, there's just so much going on in everybody's mind, body, soul, spirit, everything yeah. that you can't assume that one person's going to have everything you need. It would be amazing. But, yeah, we all have to admit that we have our own limitations where we can't go beyond. And that's where the next person's helpful to bring in.
0: And, and also our, our own, like, we're all unique individuals with unique stories and unique predispositions, both physically, emotionally, you know, all of those things. We're all coming from a storyline that we got plopped into in this world <laughs> that we call like our life. Um, and sometimes, you know, like slaying it at the gym is not how I'm going to be physically active. You know, sometimes I need to dance. And that's how I'm going to get my cardio and, and move my body and be in and, and have, you know, that that's my embodiment practice, right? Like, we're all different. That's like, straight up. That is the exact reason for this podcast. And for the festival, it was like, okay, how do we share the stories of all the different I mean, not all I mean, I would love to be able to try and explore all but as many different wellness practices as possible. How can we get mm-hmm. that knowledge out there? Because I didn't know that dance was an option for me in terms of a, an embodiment practice, in terms of a physical wellness practice, in terms of a community of, like, social mm-hmm. wellness. Like, there's so many different aspects of wellness, right? And mm-hmm. I had no idea until someone was like, hey, bro, you want to come to Five Rhythms and, like, come dance? And now I'm like, a, I'm like, oh my god, I'm a dancer. I have no idea that I was a dancer. So these things, I'm, I'm creating these things and we're creating these things to try and Uh, you know add light and share all the you know different things that are out there for people and who knows right maybe someone's like yeah dylan's personal training he's the bro he's the dude i want to i want to work with i I need someone to hold me i need someone to think about my emotional well-being and and you know all the kind of things so uh it's awesome that you're offering this um and thank you um we've been talking about having you on um, uh, offering a session at the virtual oxytocin online wellness festival, May the 23rd in Australia, the 22nd in the evening in the States. Um, and uh, give us a, a just a quick like sentence or two about what, uh, what kind of session you imagine offering or what people. Yeah, can
1: absolutely. Um, so, you know, we did speak about, you know, walking away, feeling lighter, feeling like a release, a physical release, which leads to an emotional and a, uh, a spiritual release as well, so what we 're going to do is um, a virtual virtual session like a movement based session where I want to give people a few different options for all parts of their workout so we 're going to run through um, you know in, in thirds the first third's going to be all about creating release doing some specific stretching, hitting certain pain points that a lot of people have and don 't know how to overcome without going to an allied health professional, but teaching you how to do it on your own at home. And then going through a a workout using only your body. And and we'll adapt and adjust the varied levels of difficulty so that anyone can do it and anyone can work up a sweat or feel strong or just take it a bit easier if it's something that's new for you. And then going through a a functional cool down as well. So sort of building on the, the traditional ideas of just passive long hold stretching. And building some movement-based stretches into people's practice so that if nothing else, they have 20 or 30 cool ideas to play around with after an hour. And, yeah, then they'll feel like maybe maybe they're good for a few weeks and they can just play around with their own physical practice.
0: Thank you. Amazing. And I know uh, that by following your Instagram, which is at Dylan Benjamin, that uh, that is an incredible resource for um, ideas of how to stretch and, and how to uh, do different workouts um, with, with um, like specific materials like rings and weights, but also with bands and you're just your whole body. I mean, I'm loving what you're putting out there. Um, and so thank you very, very much. And if anyone is looking for a resource, go follow uh, Dylan Benjamin. Uh, Instagram is your main um, social media platform, is that correct? Okay, Correct, it cool. is my
1: main platform. Awesome, And so, yeah.
0: cool. And thank you again so much for the time, for the, the, the gifts of, of the work that you do in our world, and specifically um, to the contributions for uh, the Seeking Wellness Podcast and Virtual Oxytocin coming up. Um, really appreciate it. Is there anything else that you need? I mean, you are supporting others. So <laughs> I wanna ask you, how can I, or we, this network that I'm putting together, how can we support you?
1: Um, that is a beautiful question, thank you for asking. And I will say thank you so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Um, I guess, you know, I love, I love seeing people watch the videos. I love hearing about people's experience of trying things. I had a guy write to me a few days ago and he asked me about a year ago, he, I, wrote, I did a post on back pain and I gave some videos and he asked for a few different things and I showed him online, the virtual world's amazing. And he just wrote to me and said, hey, this is what I've done, and he's lost weight, and he's feeling better, and he's out of pain. So, I mean, to me, that's the most beautiful gift I can receive if people watch the content, experience it, play around with it, ask questions, just get involved. Um, Because I think, yeah, this is something that the whole world should be able to experience. And right now, if it's from the comfort of your own home, even better. Um, And, you know, likewise, support support people like you and the Wellness Podcast. I think it's so important, like, People who are passion driven and have a message to share and want to help others be better in their own world are worth your time. And I think grassroots organizations like this are the bread and butter of society and the reason why the world turns. It's not money that makes the world go around. It's human connection and compassion and educating each other to drive each other to improve and be better. That's what makes the world go around. So that's how you can
0: support me. (laughs) (laughs) Amen, brother. Thank you. Um, I'm thinking uh, uh, I'm just thought of uh, the D the hashtag DB challenge. Okay. Mm. So everyone needs to go to your Instagram find like a, you know, video or a workout do it and then hashtag DB challenge share it, it. it. you know, tag other people. Okay. Now you got to do this workout. And like you're putting this shit out like almost every day, so uh, so there's a every lot of people single can... day. Yeah, man. It's a full time it... gig, but someone's yeah. gotta do it. <laughs> well, we're grateful that you are. Thank you again so very much. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and uh, and thanks again for for sharing your time with us.
1: Thank you so much, brother. You too. I really appreciate you having me on, and I'm excited for this wellness adventure next month. It's gonna be great. Yeah. I'll see you there. Cool.